You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns in the NBA at SB Nation as well as Dime Magazine. You can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns. And we are here to talk about game two of, uh, sorry, game three of the NBA Finals, a Suns loss for the first time in the series, 120 to 100. And joining me to talk about it is Brandon, because it is a Monday, and he is at Zona Hoops underscore on Twitter. Brandon, uh, usually you're the good luck charm. We've said that in the past. Usually I, I have you on. Maybe it's because it's just your regularly scheduled programming, seeing as how it is a Sunday night. That's when we usually record, but the luck did not last this time. That 120-100 loss, um, you know... Tough series, probably the toughest team the Suns have faced this entire postseason. It wasn't going to be easy, but how are you feeling considering it, it did get ugly at times? Yeah, man, my job's been pretty easy, uh, just talking after wins for like the past uh, like two months maybe, it feels like. But, uh, you know, they're bound to lose one, and, you know, especially game three, the first game in front of the, the home fans for Milwaukee, you knew they were going to come out swinging. And uh, it kind of reminds me of the Clippers series where, uh, they just weren't ready for uh, the physicality and the desperation, I think, of Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, they dropped game three. And I think a lot of this kind of is coming. Like, the Suns in four mantra is, like, it's cool <laughs> and all, but you're not going to sweep the Bucks, especially when they're, they're at full strength. So I do want to tell people, actually, let's quickly just say that today's show is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Join us every single Friday by downloading the Spotify Green Room app to get in on the action. But I'm in Chicago, which people may or may not have seen on Twitter. And uh, this was a trip planned before I knew the Suns would be in the finals. Yes, I guess I doubted them or just don't know how to read a calendar. Either way, it's just a long weekend trip. I'm not missing any home games. But we were on the streets uh, of Chicago walking around and my dad is wearing his uh, his Rally the Valley shirt. And I we, he got three or four four finger holdups and just like complete chance just on the streets of, of Chicago by Suns fans. So we are out here indeed. Um, but yeah, it was never going to be the four. I don't think in this series, maybe people yeah. thought differently. I, I did not. Um, that, that's great because I'm actually in Florida right now and I wore some sun stuff and was getting did, some, did you some get people it? Say, yeah. Suns in four people driving by go. Suns, I love it. So I love it. Uh, it's yeah, uh, it's a whole bandwagon, which is you know I I, I get how people you know want to want to have what they what they earned as far as fandom, but there is room for plenty of people. We're going to talk about this loss though in uh, pretty positive terms because I think you and I are on the same you know notion. I also think some of these these playoff games can sort of just get out of hand in a way that doesn't really tell the truth about the game. I would say game two of of this series itself was actually similar where. The, the Suns won by double digits, but that was a pretty close game, and I think this one's sem- somewhat similar, and it was garbage time for the last little while, and um, you know the Suns got two points back in the fourth quarter, but it wasn't very competitive, so I think there's some optimistic stuff to say. I want to start with just the first time that DeAndre Ayton has had foul trouble and all of the ramifications. That's kind of the story coming out in my mind. Devin Booker having a quiet game, the weirdness with him sitting, we'll talk about some of that stuff. And then I want to hit on the idea of like 
based on the regular season, based on what we've seen in games two and three here, which again, I'm realizing I said game four because I am not able to, I guess, read numbers at the top of the show. This was game three of the series. Everybody knows that. Um, and if that's just something that we have to bake into what we're seeing here, like, is, is he just going to do this? And if so, what does that mean? So um, that's what we're going to kind of get on all the different points. We'll, we'll hit everything else along the way. We're going to talk plenty of Cam Johnson because I want that man to be everything for these sons. I, I want the world for him. He is our Lord and Savior, and he had an incredible dunk as well as a great third quarter. So we'll get we'll get to him as well, I'm sure. But Brandon, the, the foul trouble thing, because, because DeAndre Ayton has basically never dealt with this. I mean, there was maybe a game or two in the Lakers series where it came into play. There's been some moments. I remember game three, maybe against Denver, if I'm remembering correctly, he had two in the first quarter. There's been some moments, but never something to this degree where Monty actually took him off the floor. We'll get to whether that was the right decision, but do you think that the Bucks did something special to make Aiton get that fourth foul in the third quarter? Do you think it's something we should be worried about as far as Aiton having to deal with this from now on? Or do you think it's just this this type of game happens when you play enough of them? Um, kind of a combination of all three of those things, I think. The Bucks definitely targeted him. Uh, he picked up some tic-tac fouls that were uncharacteristic, especially that last one. Uh, heading into halftime, that third foul was, was big. And just little things like that, that he's a young player. You have to remember that. And like those mistakes are going to happen from time to time. So um, ended up being pretty costly. And I think that really just kind of changed the entire momentum of the game. The Bucks are able to go on some, some big runs and take advantage of the Frank minutes or the small ball minutes. So uh, yeah, he needs to be smarter. It's not something I think it's going to be uh, reoccurring throughout the series. And if it is, they, they'll be in trouble because their big man depth is, as we know, it's not zero. Great. Yeah. And with Giannis getting, uh, you know, the calls he's getting and attacking aggressively, it's, it's going to be really tough to to keep him off the line And if you don't have Aiton out there. So, yeah, I think they they did a nice job of targeting him, but a couple, like, really what I thought were, like, kind of soft calls for, you know, the finals. Um, but, you know, nights like that happen. And, you know, I think Aiden's going to bounce back. It's not something that's happened too frequently throughout his career. So uh, not overly concerned. That's that's pretty much sums up how I feel. I have a couple follow-up questions about it, though. So Aiton leaves the game with 10 minutes and 25 seconds left in the third quarter after getting that fourth foul. Cameron Johnson comes in, though. And I, this is where my main issue with how Monty handled the, the foul trouble came into play, which I think you agree. I saw you tweeting. I think a lot of Suns fans were frustrated because... Monty's entire thing is to stay aggressive, right? To be relentless, to be forceful, all these things. And I think he has risen to the moment in that regard as a coach a lot of moments this season. Uh, however, when he went to Cameron Johnson, they responded with a big run. The Suns cut the lead to four at one point. Cam Johnson had a, a personal seven-point burst, including a freaking ridiculous dunk. That was insane. Um, yeah, give me your thoughts on the dunk. We have to spend at least 30 seconds on it. Man, Cam, he does this like every once in a while. He'll just, you know, I kind of saw it coming. As soon as like he makes up his mind and he rises, the dude can get up and he's long. Uh, it was just a beautiful dunk. Rest in peace, PJ. Um, <laughs> I love, man. I love. So you have to, you, there's a few routes you can go right in those moments. You can go like kind of just 
start lining up at the free throw line and say, you know, it is what it is. Or, you know, if there's no foul, just I'm going to run down the floor. I'm not even going to address it. I'm not going to look up, make eye contact with anybody. We'll wait for the moment to pass. Or you can do the, like, I got, I got fouled, right? And mm-hmm. PJ did the I got fouled. And it's like, it's admirable. And he had the wide-eyed look at the ref. And it's like, nothing happened, dude. Like, yeah, but he even know, called the challenge you, just to try to save Yes, save yeah, I, I, forgot, I already forgot about that. <laughs> He just, he stood up for, so not only did PJ do the I got fouled, but he he threw the blame and the responsibility of dealing with the posterization to his head coach. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's embarrassing stuff. Yes, rest in peace. PJ Tucker is a, is a son's legend. We always will love him, but he he's actually deceased now, so I guess it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, so Cam gets those seven points, including that dunk. The Suns cut it to four. And then where I got the, the, re, the relentless thing I was on is that he didn't stay with the lineups that were going to give them the best chance to succeed. So it's not to me so much, it, it may be if Dario is, is still healthy and playing better, or maybe if in an alternate reality the Suns have a backup big man, I don't need Aiton to come back in in that moment. I get people were frustrated, like I think Serge tweeted, uh, you know, four fouls, I guess is when Suns players foul out now. And like, that's, it, it's reasonable to criticize, but I think the bigger criticism is you don't take advantage of the momentum you create with that run, and you put mm-hmm. Tory Craig and Frank Kaminsky back in there. And Giannis continues to cook; he goes even further off, and you know you're able to build. The Bucks are able to build another twenty point lead before the third quarter's over. Giannis was um, a plus twenty in the game, and Frank Kaminsky, let me see, was a minus twelve. Campaign a minus 18, Torrey Craig a minus 12. The, bun- the bench just got cooked. A lot of it felt like it came in that third quarter. So I think that's really the big criticism. It's not that Aiton needed to be out there the whole second half and you should just ignore the foul trouble and not be careful. I get all of that. But it's like you got yourself back into the game. Either leave the small lineup in there, let Cam and, mm-hmm. and everyone continue to play like that, or go back to your, your best lineups and try to win this game. But you ended up not even having a chance for Aiton to get back in there with the minutes you were supposedly saving him because the game was out of hand by the time he could have come back in. Yeah, I totally agree. I think you have to pick one direction and stick with it. And the fact that he went to Frank as his his alternative was just not ideal. And Frank's going to be the, scape, the scapegoat, of course, like he usually is. Uh, well, if he played better, I, he wouldn't be. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it is what yeah. it is, right? Yep. Um, but I think, you know, playing, just saving Aiton, the way he did at the end of the quarter was, I think, a mistake. He was hoping that they'd cut the lead down and keep it manageable and it wouldn't be a disaster. But, you know, the third, the end of the third was just the the knockout punch, I thought. Um, and that's there's no point of saving eight. And if he's just going to come back in with the 22-point deficit there in the fourth. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of a combination of what you said, just sticking with what was working. Um, and if you're not going to do that, bring Aiton back in and just, you know, ride him out until he's – picks up foul number six uh, they didn't do either of those things and it backfired um it's hard to fault monty because he doesn't make many mistakes but i think uh even without hindsight i think that was one that you know he'll probably admit that he kind of uh played a little too conservative and uh, you know he got happy on the farm as he used, likes <laughs> to say it's fair and i think the, the biggest thing to me is that he misread the the Giannis situation for the most part i mean when they first check guys out Craig comes in, Payne comes in, but Crowder does stay in. But that only lasts about a minute and a half. And then at the 237 mark is when Kaminsky came in for Crowder. And from that point on, Giannis scored seven points. And the lead went from, it was 11-10, uh, actually, when the change happened. And then by the end of the third quarter, it was 22. 
Um, so that's the yep. point where you you can't you can't have no Giannis defender out there and allow Giannis to score seven points and build the lead double the lead. Like it, that's that's really the moment where this game obviously was lost. But we'll talk yeah. about some of the other stuff here in a second. I I, um, I want to move on to Devin Booker if possible, and then. Um, we'll, I say if possible, because I'm not sure exactly what's going on. And then we'll talk about where the series goes from here. First though, folks, a quick word from Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. My favorite protein bar and a protein bar that has a flavor for everybody. Been talking to you guys about the grasshopper cookie. I hope you took advantage. The, it says that they're not available anymore. I would go ahead and double check that. I feel like, um, you know poke around, make, maybe make a call. But if you would like to go back to the well, there is never a bad flavor over at Bill Bar. Double chocolate is my favorite. I've been telling you about that for years, literally at this point, but we also have salted caramel, strawberry even, and nice goodies like German chocolate. What other protein bar company makes German chocolate? They, they do get fancy. They do go outside the box and all of them are delicious. I can vouch for it personally. I've tried each and every one. I would not be lying to you. I have personally tasted them all and they are all delicious. I've never had one that I did not finish, that I did not eat all of. It was just, uh, you know, some some are better than others. That's why I like the double chocolate so much, but you can't go wrong. So go to built.com, sorry, built.com. Use the promo code locked on to get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code locked on for 15% off at built.com. Okay, we're back here. We're going to talk about Devin Booker and his bizarre and quiet performance and kind of do truth versus fiction here to the extent that we can. I'm not saying that anything insidious is happening here, but Devin Booker scored 3 of 14 from the field, 10 points, 1 of 7 from deep. My personal gripe with his his overall night, Brandon, was a little too reliant on the pull-up three when his rhythm wasn't there. I mean, that's nitpicking. I'm not trying to, you know, change up how a guy plays after an all-star season and a finals run, but to me, it was like attack the basket, get comfortable a little bit, get some free throws down, although he did miss two, which was strange for him. Maybe, you know, more evidence that something was off, and that was it. It's just don't take so many of those. But then we see he doesn't play in the entire fourth quarter, despite most of the rest of the starting unit coming back in, if not all of it, I'm pretty sure. And Booker bizarrely stays on the bench. So what did you make of his night overall, Brandon? And what do you feel like is the reason he was sitting? Do you think there's an injury we don't know about? Do you think it was just rest? How do you feel? Yeah, I don't want to speculate on anything, but it is very strange that he's not, that he wasn't out there for the entire fourth, especially when, you know, they they cut it down. They went on like a little quick run to make it manageable. And you would think they'd try to throw him out there, but it could just be Monty just kind of waving the white flag and just saving him for, you know, for game four. So he's fresh, but they do have two days off. So it's a little confusing. Um, yeah. I was a little frustrated with his performance in terms of just settling for jumpers. Like I'm looking at a shot chart right now and uh, just a lot of threes, a um, couple elbow jumpers on each side. And, and th- those both went in. And uh, inside the paint, though, he was he was over three. So uh, he needs to shoot more than three times in the paint. He's at his best when he's attacking, getting to the free throw line, getting in rhythm, uh, throwing up runners off the side of the glass. Like that's that's when he's at his best. And tonight he was just not he was just very comfortable with settling. And I think, you know, maybe Monty was trying to send a message. He didn't like how he was attacking. And uh, I, I doubt he benched him for that reason. But that could be one one area. Um, 
I did see that Dwayne Rankin tweeted just as as extra context. First of all, he did not have anything as far as a brace or a, a pack or anything on him that I could see when he was on the bench. And Dwayne Rankin tweeted that at the end of the third quarter, I believe he saw Monty with his arm around Booker. Again, that doesn't mean anything, but it does le- lead some credence to the fact that maybe it was just like, hey, let's not add insult to injury. Like you don't have it. We're down 20. We have this yeah. series in hand still. Like, let's not bother with it. You've been playing a freaking insane amount of minutes. So why don't we just maybe roll the dice and not roll the dice, but roll this over to game four? I think that's not a crazy guess either. And it's a little bit less uh, conspiratorial, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's one of those things where if Booker does play and like, God forbid, he does get get injured and like when they're down by 20 in the fourth, then, you know, Suns fans are going to be like, what is he doing out there? So it's uh, it's a no-win situation in a way, especially because he was off. Um, the one thing that could have helped is like, he sees a couple jumpers go in and it could carry over to the next game. But, uh, you know, hopefully it was just Monty being careful. Uh, I thought he coached very conservatively throughout the game. So that's, yeah, he uh, really did. Yeah. Which is, you know, you know, I, I get it. He likes to stick with like what he believes in and he's not going to change, but, uh, the major adjustments will probably come game four. I think having two, two days off, in between games will help them and kind of quell this little momentum that Milwaukee has for like this hot shooting. And, and look, Booker was off, but he wasn't the main reason they lost this game. They lost this game because they lost in four key phases, turnovers, uh, free throw percent, three point percent. And uh, they got out, out assisted as well. So I think uh, they just weren't sharing the ball. It just wasn't the same offense that we're used to seeing and, uh, you just felt that from top to bottom. Yeah, I think that's well that's well put. And just in terms of, of injuries as well, like when I say, you know, does Evan Booker have an injury or something like that, everybody has something, I think, at this point in the season. So it's not mm-hmm. to say like the guy's playing on, you know, a, a micro fracture of his meniscus or something ridiculous or a tear, I mean. It's it's more just like is is he dealing with something, soreness, pain, whatever, that it's just not worth pushing any further. You know, did he just feel whatever tonight and, and wanted that extra rest? I don't know. I mean, it is just, it's, it's that time where you guess a little bit, but I think it's, it's totally fair to say that, you know, you get out rebounded by 11, you get out assisted by a team that never moves the ball and you get out shot from three and it's, it's pretty unlikely you're going to win. So I don't necessarily fault them if that was the thinking of, look, we just, we didn't win the game. It's fine. We don't need to do this necessarily even though, yes, Paul was out there for longer. Aiton, although at that point he had played so few minutes, it's almost like get him out there so he's not, you know, on cold muscles the next time he gets on the floor. But yeah, I don't think it's crazy. I, I don't think it's crazy. Um, speaking of adjustments, I do think we should just maybe move to the next segment because I, 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 there's a lot I want to get to. And one of them is another part of the coaching and, and rotation decision that might sound crazy, but I, I, I couldn't help but think about it. So let's take another quick break here, folks. First... And then we'll talk about all of that. First, though, a word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports action. We have, let's see, what's coming up? Oh, the Olympics, of course. Yes, bet on the Olympics because nobody can go and watch these things um, for the reasons we all know. But look, you can still bet. I can't even imagine. I, I don't even think I was... I'm trying to think the last Summer Olympics, I was old enough to make a bet by a lot. I don't know why I wouldn't have, but that sounds like a thrill. You're betting on people running in fractions of a second. I can't imagine uh, a more complete 
like junky thing to do and i think that's delightful i think all of you should do it and bet online is the place for it sporting news sign up bonuses and contest info every single moment of the day getting you ready for what you need to make a bet on your favorite sport so head to the website betonline.ag or their mobile app make an account today and when you do put a first little bit of money down use the promo code locked on and get a 50 percent welcome bonus that's right when you make your first deposit at Bet Online, you're gonna get a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code Locked On. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, a lot of adjustments to get to here. Starting with the question that I think hangs over some of this, which is: Is Giannis scoring like this just here to stay? Is that just something we have to bake into the equation now? First, though, folks, a quick word to remind you that today's road to the title coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. And Michelob Ultra, of course, reminding you that it is only worth it if you enjoy it. Okay, Brandon, let's turn that question to you, which is Giannis has now scored basically 41.5, basically 42 points in each of the past two games after the regular season contests where he did pretty much that exact same thing. Do you think the Suns should just go into these games basically assuming that Giannis is going to score like this? There's not really a great matchup for him that the Suns have. They have some options. They don't have anything great. No one really does. Do you think that that's just what we should assume is going to happen and you try to win on the other stuff? Um, I don't think so. I think to an extent, yes. Like he will get like 20 points in his sleep, you know, 30 on most nights. But when you start getting to that 40 point range, that's when it gets dangerous and Milwaukee has so many other options that you really have to be taking uh, Drew and Middleton away like they did in those first two games, but you can't bank on that. So I think uh, to an extent, you know, obviously he's going to get his uh, and he's impossible to guard in, in space. And I think sometimes they're picking him up a little bit too late and he's generating that momentum that just gets him right to the paint in one step. So you obviously want to force him to, to settle for jumpers ideally but if you give him too much of a, a runway it's just game over and i think that's kind of what they did this game where uh, even the last two games it just seemed like they were content with him getting to his spot and just playing straight up which i think is probably the the right call in terms of trying to avoid fouls but he's still getting 17 free throws and the sun's at 16 total so that's and that's not the reason they lost and to be clear it's just uh the way Giannis plays, he attacks the rim. The Suns are not a team that shoots a lot of free throws in general. But, yeah, I think just trying to keep him uh, to settle, like, in settle for jumper mode, which he's not really been throughout the series. And, yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, know. No, I just think the fair. free throws, too. He made – he shot his free throws pretty well tonight, and that's also another difference from, you know, a home game and a road game. The free throws, making them, not having the chanting, yes. Not taking jumpers has been a big change for him. Um, and I think there are ways, like you said, to make him take them more. I think that Aiton's preferred style of defending him is obviously to sort of let him let Giannis come to him. And that, that has its strengths because I think it's a good way to avoid fouling him. I think it's a good way to, you know, have rim protection if the ball moves, if another player ends up with it. Those types yeah. of things. And, and to be clear, I do think Aiton, it's fine with him doing it, but when it's Crowder, if he, if he gives him too much space, yeah. it's just, it's game over. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is like, and I think in general, it's like, even if that works for Aiton, like you also can help, right? Like I think they're sort of 
to me, we haven't seen the adjustment yet on the defense of Giannis, right? Like they, they for through through three games, it seems like for the most part they've guarded him sort of the same way, and and it you know it's worked to varying degrees. They won two of the three games. It's not to say that everything was a failure up to this point, but it is to say that you know there's plenty of other things to try, right? So I think that's that's a big part of it. They tried to kind of tie Crowder's minutes to Giannis in the first half. I think that makes sense where even if Aiton's not out there, you at least have somebody. Whereas there were minutes in the past where both of those players were out, Crowder and Aiton, and Giannis was on the floor. That's what we saw at the end of the third quarter. That's an emergency. That's a three-alarm fire. You can't, you cannot let those ha- minutes happen organically in your rotation. So I think some of the rotation stuff is smart. I just think we haven't necessarily seen the, the sort of stylistic and scheme adjustments. One thing, the, the conspiracy that I said I had coming out of that last segment and it's, it's probably completely stupid. But with Craig, I don't know, again, if it's the injury or just rhythm, whatever. He's not playing. He didn't play as well. If that continues, if Kaminsky, I think we can pretty much lock in that his minutes are going to be a, a terrifying experience. Jalen Smith did not get in the game when they went to the Wave the White Flag lineup. Tyshawn did. Are we? Is Monty saving Jalen Smith here? Are we going to get a late series NBA Finals sticks emergence? Is that what's happening here? Um, I need I you to not. just believe in it. I just need you to say yes. Look, I'll meet you halfway <laughs> and say, play Tyshawn. He was a team okay. high minus one in one minute, and he was one for Tied one. Tied with Mikhail so, Bridges, who did not have a good game, which is why plus minus is a bizarre statistic. Yes, and I'm glad he hit that shot. That was cool for Tyshawn. Big Tyshawn guy here. I think he, he will be an NBA player one day. It's just this team is stacked at guard. Um, but yeah, I don't think Sticks is going to, see any time uh maybe like if if frank oh, the frank minutes are still disastrous but it's no, really it's hard a, to imagine it's terrible it's it's a complete bad idea but i think <laughs> the main reason is that well, honestly i wouldn't mind it like if if it was just for like maybe a minute or two at the like a point of the game where they can afford to just take a swing and they just kind of need a like a punch like why not why not? He's six fouls. No, I, I, I partially like if it was somebody with slightly more experience that didn't have to be a rookie in this horrible season, I might actually believe it a little bit more because I do think that generally speaking, like he has the body type where it would be worth a shot. It's just Monty hates to put guys into. He always talks about it. he doesn't want to put a guy into a bad situation. And that's the epitome of that. So I don't think mm-hmm. it's it's really a legit option. But I think that just shows that I'm like getting a little bit worried about these these Giannis minutes. Like, I do think that there's, or, I mean, not even the minutes, just the Giannis performances that we've seen because I think there is a little bit of me that believes, like, he's going to, and I agree, like, maybe it's not 40, but he's going to score 30-plus. I don't think there's really much you can do about that besides cross your fingers and hope that maybe the free throws don't go in. Maybe the, you know, he miss he misses some layup. Like, that's just, you're you're hoping for something that doesn't happen very often if the layups are what you're doing. And I just think we're going to have to look at the series as if that's going to happen. People have been saying like, oh, it's because of Scott Foster and the free throw attempts. And I agree with you. Like, is every foul necessarily, you know, the best call that they're going to use in the next refereeing textbook? Probably not. But I don't think there've been any that are just horrid. And I also think Giannis is a player that imposes his will on the game that way, right? Like yeah. he's, he is, he had 11 free throws in his first game back from that from that knee in game one, and I believe mm-hmm. he had 18 in game two, and Scott Foster was nowhere to be found in those games. So, 
it's not really what it yeah. is, in my opinion. Like, he's going to get to the line. And it's just kind of like, if you're going to get 10 make, made free throws, you're on your way to 30 pretty easy. Exactly. And, you know, I was definitely trigger happy, ready to, to blame Scott Foster for tonight, but uh, heading into the game. But they didn't lose this game because of him or because of the refs. They just, they got outplayed. And, uh, you know, Drew Holiday stepped up, made five threes. Uh, Middleton hit some big shots and Giannis was just unguardable and yeah, he, he can get away with some push-offs and extent arm extensions and, uh, you know, that, that were, uh, Paul George like in a way, um, but smashing day, Cam Johnson with his entire body, which was like a weird injury that didn't turn into an injury. But I think that shows you how yeah. like ridiculously strong the dude is. Exactly. And it's weird because like most bigs don't get the leeway when it comes to physicality and like creating contact, but he does just be, I think it's just the way he moves is different. And that's something I think Aiton really needs to study this off season in terms of like generating fouls. Um, that comes with reputation too, obviously, because a lot of stuff Giannis does, if Aiton tried it, I think it'd be an offensive foul, uh, but he needs to start trying it at some point and using his, you know, mobility at his size to his advantage, because quite frankly, like Giannis is just a freight train that, He's going to get where he wants most of the time. and He has if, a purposefulness to it. That's what I think yeah, it is, right? It's exactly. just like, I'm going to go through this guy. You're going to call it or not. And it's most of the time it's like, I guess not. I guess we're not going to do that because I like didn't notice anything out of the ordinary. You just smashed somebody. But other than that, like didn't look awkward. So I guess you it's reputation. Foul yeah, him. It's like Patrick Beverly gets to harass everyone he guards because he does yep. it all the time. So uh, those are things that come with time. So Giannis has earned it. He's won MVP for that reason. He's incredible uh but yeah the Suns need to find a way to at least slow him down and uh that way might just come down to like whether or not he makes or misses free throws to be honest which I think that part is I mean the, the refereeing stuff I, I don't think was that different tonight than it was in past games I do think the free throw making is gonna it's gonna be a factor in this series when it comes back to game five I would not be surprised if Giannis shoots poorly and if it's back in game six I mean well obviously I'll cross your fingers it doesn't get there if, if it does Look, he's gonna probably shoot better. I think that part is is gonna happen because of how and like if people who have been in the building know what I'm talking about, but it is ridiculously loud when they're chanting at the free throw line for him. So that part, you know, maybe is something to keep an eye on. The rest of it, I do think you kind of just have to think he's gonna do something like that. A few things though, before we wrap up here, that that could change. One is I mentioned at the top, I think the six assists for Giannis. I think that's an area where you got to cut back. You can't let him be a playmaker as well. If he's going to get his, he's going to get his, but you're not going to let him pass off to other people. I know that's easier said than done. I'm saying help on Giannis and then also don't let his teammates beat you. It is a, a difficult task, but I think he's that was an outlier game from him. He's usually in the three or four range, maybe five, sixes is on the high end. And part of that was, I was going to say, speaking of Patrick Beverly, uh, Bobby Portis should not have as good of a game as he did. And I, I did predict that a little bit. I had been wondering, getting back home, having some rhythm, if Bud could just trust him a little bit more for a little bit longer at the beginning of his first stint, that it could go better. And it did. Plus 19 for Portis, 11 points. He got four offensive rebounds. He was acting like a maniac. I guess that some people just feed off of that I don't know but you can't let Portis go for almost a double double you're not he, he's not good enough to do that to you and so I think that's an easy place to to, to pounce in game four yeah the the Bobby chance were a little out of hand but you know Bucks fans love him so. imagine standing um, Bobby Portis I'm sorry I mean I don't <laughs> like to pick on opposing fan bases but like good lord 
yeah, it's, I think it's just because his name is Bobby and they just, it's just an easy chant, you know? It's true. And Two he plays with, names, he plays with a lot of energy too. So he's kind of like the, you know, the Montrez Harrell type, you know, energy where he'll scream after everything yep. he does and just gets the crowd going. So I get it to an extent. All right. My last one is, um, Mikhail Bridges, who, you know, again, it's, it's game three of the finals. This, this season has gone extremely well. I'm not going to sit here and say that something is a failure after it's worked so many times. And he's coming off of probably the most important and best game of his entire career. So it's not anything serious, but I do think the four turnovers are where I look way more than the shooting personally. Um, a lot of them were really bad. One of them in a key moment was off of that or not off of, it was during that run that we talked about in the third quarter. That was a killer. Um, and look, it's like, we're going to have nights where Mikhail doesn't get involved in the offense. I think that's okay. I think Middleton was held in check for the most part. That's to me, the most important thing that Mikhail's doing in this series. So if that continues, it's, it's okay with me if, if the offense isn't there, but when you have a game where Cam Johnson again, plays so incredibly well for the first couple games, it was like, or especially game one, it was like, okay, is Cam going to play better than Jay Crowder? And this one, it looked like Mikhail Bridges. The overall thing here to me is playing Cam Johnson as much as you possibly can. His minutes look high tonight because he was in there in the closing moments of the game when it was garbage time. But I think like organically, you got to get him the same amount, if not more minutes than Crowder and Bridges, even if that means having one of those guys off the floor. If Cam's going to continue to play like this, it's just like you, you got to reward the players who are playing the best for you. It's what we were talking about in that third quarter. Like keep the momentum going. Play with with a, a certain level of uh, aggressiveness. Like come out throwing punches. And I think Cam is a really big punch when he's playing this way. And he's been playing this way for about two series straight now. Yeah, Cam's been incredible. And, you know, that, that series where he scored those seven points with the you know, the dunk, the poster dunk, obviously, and then the, the nice reverse layup. Uh, that was really fun. And I think Mikel's, um, yeah, the four turnovers compared to, like, four field goal attempts is just not a good combo. He's very hesitant, and they need a confident Mikel. Because this, whenever he's going, like we've said it time and time again, just that's how the team goes. Is with and they Mikhail. just don't have enough wing depth to, to, to keep up if Johnson, Bridges, and Crowder all have it going. They don't. They just won't be able yeah. to win the Bucks. And, it feels like that hasn't happened in a while. Like, you know, all three of them just clicking at the same time on both ends. Um, it's, I don't know. I just think game two was close, but you're right. I mean, yeah, it's, if, if we get one of those games, which I think is reasonable and I think they're both, it's like, you know, game two was obviously the bridges game game one wasn't necessarily anybody's game. Crowder looks like he's getting into form, though, with six of seven from deep tonight. So, yeah, if, if you get a game where, honestly, if you look at Payne not playing well tonight either, if you get a game where three of the four of Johnson, Payne, Bridges, and Crowder can can all play a two-way game, that's great. Like, the Bucks just don't have the perimeter depth to handle that. So you got a mm-hmm. night tonight where basically two of those four players played well, and you add Booker not playing well into that and Craig not playing well into that. And it's like, well, the Bucks looked a lot better because their perimeter guys didn't have as much of a tough challenge keeping up with the Suns. So I think that's yeah. a good place to end it. I think that's uh, obviously sort of a big picture thing to think about. We'll have another show tomorrow. I'm going to go solo because I am on this trip and 
It is hard to line up a guest. I hope you guys will bear with me. I'm going to rewatch the game and probably just dig more into what this stuff is going to look like here and uh, get you guys closer to game four on Wednesday and hopefully have a guest for you on Tuesday, on uh, Wednesday's show to get you really ready, preview the game in depth. So thank you. Thank you, Brandon. And we will uh, be back with you tomorrow, folks. Enjoy the rest of your Monday.